do hope that these next few minutes are a blessing to you. I hope that uh, you enjoy our time together in God's Word. For those who are joining us online, I want to welcome you. Uh, hey, uh, Blaine, this would be a good time to pan around. Um, I thought what we might do this morning, too, for those who are joining us online, is just take a moment to kind of pan around the room to see what the flow and what the layout looks like. The flow you can't see right now, but the flow is in our door uh, to the, I think that would be the west, and then our exit is out the door there. So we don't even have a lot of traffic or flow in and out of the bathroom, normal entry. Um, that entry is closed. So for those who are joining us online, uh, there's, a, there's some strategery to this whole thing. We enter here, and we go that way. At the end of the morning, we sing last, so we're not filling this space with uh, aerosolized um, particles from singing. Uh, we're trying to do all that we can uh, to move cautiously and carefully, but not move fearfully. So that's our goal. Uh, we want to be uh, uh, good stewards with our health and, and uh, protect one another as best we can, protect our neighbor and protect our community. So for, for those who've joined us online, hopefully that kind of gives you a lay of the land. We have spacing in the room where families are sitting apart from one another. We have some special rows for families with children where they have a row in front of them where nobody can sit. So it sort of creates a little corral there, like a little uh, kennel, you know, so to speak. So if you want to keep the little ones at bay. So uh, that's, uh, it's, that's also the strategy there to help parents with little ones with, the, with this challenging time of sitting still. So thank you for joining us in person and online this morning. I want you all to know that we are praying for the decisions that you're making about school that's one thing that elders prayed specifically for on, on a, um, our meeting on, on Monday night. I was praying for your school, or Wednesday night, your school decisions. That you are uh, working through some very difficult decisions about what we're going to do, what, how you're going to teach, some of y'all that are teaching, how you're going to connect to your students, how you're going to show love and affection and affirmation as they do a good job, uh, how you're, whether you're going to send your school to, to, or your kid to school in person or whether they're going to go online or a combination of the two. Uh, those who are heading off to college have all kinds of challenges you're facing, uh, whether you're going to even be able to go back. So there's, this room alone is full of all different kind of unknowns. And I know online, uh, folks that are joining us have those unknowns as well. We're praying on, um, on Wednesday mornings as a, a, men, a group of men that are praying. We're praying for those specific things. And we're also praying as a group of elders. I know our life group shepherds are praying for you all as well. So we're praying for wisdom and um, um, you know, for care, um, wisdom and care as we move forward. So let's go to the Lord right now in prayer and pray for, we're going to pray for a people group. Uh, we're going to pray for a local church. And um, we're going to pray about how we spend these few minutes together. Lord, this morning we want to, uh, first of all, pray for a local church and uh, the body of believers there at St. William's Catholic Church. Uh, Lord, we want to pray for a new, new priest there, Father Williams. I want to pray. We want to pray for Christ followers in this uh, local church, uh, Lord, for healthy, vibrant faith uh, and healthy, uh, deep, and potent worship. Lord, we pray that you would bless uh, this local church, these brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, that we would enjoy Christ out loud together in our community, that we would be good stewards with uh, the good news of Christ, that we would be a, a helping hand, helping others, and blessing others in the name of Christ. Lord, we are entrusting this uh, local church family to you and those who are part of that church. Lord, we pray to this morning for a people group, for the Kohli people of India, 8.2 million strong, uh, about half of a percent of which are Christians. Lord, we uh, bring them before you this morning with so little knowledge about this entire people group of 8.2 uh, million people. But we're thankful that you know them well. You know every person, you know every thought they have, you know every cell and every uh, part of their being. Lord, as we bring them before you, we know that we're not bringing something new to you. What we're doing is we're bringing something to before you to share that it's a burden for us, that the burden for this people is that the kingdom would come among this people and that the reign and the rule of a great God would take place in their hearts, Lord, that you would grow the church um, among this people group, that you would send workers to this far corner. They just couldn't stay, that people just too uncomfortable with staying in a place where you're known by so many that would go to the far corners and would share the good news of Christ. 
Lord, we lift up this massive people group to you. Thankful that we have a massive God. Lord, we pray in these next few minutes that you'll be clear. Pray that Christ's teaching will be helpful. We pray that everyone in the room this morning will walk out with a clear, um, first of all, being stirred. Um, Secondly, being equipped of where to go and how to move and how to respond to our time together on the mount. We pray in these things this morning in Christ's precious name. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, we're actually going to be preaching from Matthew chapter 6, and I'll share that passage in a moment. We'll stand for the reading of that, that word in a moment. But I thought it'd be nice to just begin with uh, just a little part of the consequences of the fall. Just listen to this passage, if you would. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. And to Adam he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. All the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What a terrible, terrible judgment. Some of the things that come out of that passage we all we know all too well. Pain in life. Some of you might be young enough that you haven't experienced significant pain. Um, A few of you might be charmed enough that you haven't experienced significant pain, but I suspect that most people in this room have experienced the pain as a consequence of the fall in some degree. Many of us have experienced it um, many-fold in various ways. The consequence of the fall, pain in life. Thorns and thistles that fight back. This earth that's fighting back against us we spend our lives sweating for bread till, this passage sort of sums up, till we die. Man, you all know the consequences of the fall. You know the kind of things that we experience from day to day. Uh, just a great example, I don't know how many of you um, ex- experience this. Maybe all of us can experience it in some way. You know, a day where you actually say, I'm going to clean my desk, or I'm going to clean my office, or I'm going to clean my chest of drawers. That's a, a problem for me, is keeping my chest of drawers clean, the top of it. Some of you strange people that always have it just perfect. Mine, every now and again, is perfect, but then it moves from one state of order to a lower state of order. Thanks, Adam. Man, that's what I think every single time. I blame it on Adam. It's his fault. But we can experience, we have experienced the pain in life, the thorns and thistles, this feeling of one step forward and two steps back in life, in health, in money, in jobs, and even in family and relationships. Christy's uh, father passed away a couple of weeks ago, and uh, some of y'all may know this, but I'll just thank every all of you now. Um, the church sent us a little bonsai tree. It's a really cool tree, and the, the sweet thing about that is the bonsai, if you take care of it, can live for decades. Uh, so we had this bonsai. It's a new one, so I have to kind of learn how this guy works. It's an azalea. But I want to say, on behalf of the McGraws, thank you for uh, that blessing. It's, it's, it would be a sweet reminder of um, a, a special life to us. But uh, uh, last weekend we weren't here. We got in the car a few days before Sunday. Um, I guess we left on Thursday. And um, my nieces were in one car, and Christy and Daniel um, and Evan were in, our, in my car, in my Land Cruiser. And uh, the car's loaded up. We've got all kind of stuff in the car. They've got stuff in their car. We're heading off to Austin for this week. This weekend, we're going to spend away this memorial service. And I turn on the Land Cruiser, and the check engine light comes on. I mean, y'all know the feeling. Those of you that have a car, you know the feeling. And it just seems to be that the most inopportune times. We're about to travel to Austin and back. The car is loaded down. We're going. I mean, I'm expecting smoke to be billowing out at any moment. Christy pulls out the manual and looks it up and says, okay, well, it looks like these other lights are on as well, so it looks like we can actually proceed, that it's something that's not um, central, you know, essential to the driving of the vehicle. But as we're driving to Austin, anybody that knows me and knows how I take care of my Land Cruiser knows that that really bothered me, like really bothered me, like the whole time. And the whole time we're driving to Austin and the whole time of the reason we're driving to Austin I'm saying to myself, thanks, Adam. 
Thanks, Adam. Pain in life, thorns and thistles, sweating for bread till you die, one step forward and two steps back. You know, as little pesky stuff like a check engine light, stuff that's not pesky like losing a loved one, some of those things that really just devastate you. As hard as all that stuff is, you add to that also the relational consequences of the fall. The relational consequences of the fall, if you know how the story goes in Genesis chapter 3, when God confronts Adam and Eve, Eve blames Satan and Adam blames Eve and God, by the way. And you can just imagine a husband and wife are looking at one another going, what did you just say? Who are you blaming here? And at relational problems, relational conflict is as old as mankind. Wars, politics, I mean, can we agree that there are significant sides in politics? Racial divide, it just doesn't seem to let up. Thanks, Adam. These are the kind of things that drove the multitudes to the mount 2,000 years ago. Not check engine lights, obviously. But things like this, these heartbreaking things and these pesky things and everything in between, this consequence of the fall, the pain, the sweating for bread, the thorns and thistles, this cursed earth pushing back, led the multitudes to the mount 2,000 years ago to find some answers to how do we find the good life? How do we find what they would have called Shalom, wholeness, peace. How do we find those things that drove them to the mount 2,000 years ago looking for the good life? I think it's what drives us here this morning. I don't think there's a person in the room that doesn't want to find shalom and wholeness and peace. And it's here on this mount that he taught them and he's teaching them today through his living word 2,000 years later to pray then like this. Stand, if you would, with me for the reading of God's word from Matthew chapter 6. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we pray in these next few minutes that you will speak to us through these wonderful words. Lord, we pray that you will give us a supernatural view into two really important spaces. And that you will foster in us a deep burden that we should share as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are entrusting this time to you, Lord. Speak to us. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a seat. There's a geography lesson in this passage. It's easy to miss because you might think it's just speaking of his will. But I want to point out this phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, is a little geography lesson that has to do with all three of these first petitions in this prayer. If you're familiar with this prayer from the previous weeks, you know that there are six. Depending on how you count them, there might be seven. But we're probably going to go with six petitions in the prayer. We've been considering these last few weeks, the first three petitions, and all three of these first petitions are conditioned by a little geography lesson. This little thing that we've got to take into account where he's dealing with and asking for in prayer and teaching us to pray for his name on earth as it, to, to his, his, the hallowing of his name on earth as it is in heaven for his kingdom to come on earth as it already is in heaven, and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That phrase connects to all three of these first petitions. So in some ways, this morning is sort of the culmination of these first three petitions. So this morning, we're just going to continue some geography. We're going to consider some geography. We're going to consider two realms are two spaces. And I thought what might even make it real personal for us is to consider two zip codes. You've got a collection of zip codes in the room. We've got 75402. We've got 75401, 75474, 75189, 75428. Chances are I've gotten most of you. I know I haven't gotten all of you. There's some of you I know that specifically I didn't look up because I'm preparing to preach and not dealing with zip codes. But I hope you get the point. We're dealing with two different geographies. We're dealing with this earth stuff that we live on right here in 75402 in this very moment and this other space that he refers to as heaven. 
We're going to give it a zip code for the morning. Actually, yesterday I was planning to go with 0000, and then I thought, no, I think in light of the book of Revelation and how the book of Revelation deals with numbers, we're going to go with 77777. And they're actually, what's really cool is there is no U.S. zip code 77777. It's like it's off limits, apparently, which is cool. We're going to use that guy this morning. We're going to deal with two zip codes, where we are right now in 75402 and heaven, 77777. Two very different zip codes with two very different climates. Two very starkly different climates in regards to the valuation of the Father's name, in regards to the experience of the kingdom of God and in regards to the execution of his will. So let's first deal with 77777. I want you to peer into this space with me through the book of Revelation. Turn with me this morning, if you would, to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. I'll give you a moment to turn there. We're going to peer into this space and see if we can glean what's going on in regards to the Father's name, in regards to the Father's kingdom, and in regards to the Father's will. And then we're going to peer into our space. Okay? The Lord takes us to a geography lesson, so we're going to go follow his lead this morning. First of all, peering into 77777. Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked. This is John the uh, apostle speaking and writing. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. Peering in. We get a chance to literally peer in this morning. See what's going on in this space. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So it's an invitation to John. Peek into the throne room. Peek into heaven and see what's going on in this space. We get to join John this morning and peek into that zip code and see what's going on. And at once I was in the spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is present in this space. Remember that number seven is fullness, the wholeness. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion. The second living creature like an ox. The third living creature like the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes, All around, in case we missed that. They're full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is, who was and is and is to come. In this space so far as we're peering into this 77777, this zip code, this heavenly space, As we peer in right off the bat, we see that creatures in that realm value the name of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In fact, they never stop saying it. They never cease saying. And what's interesting is they have eyes all over themselves and they can really see what's going on. They can really see ultimate reality. They're not fooled by anything. They've got eyes in front and back and within. And they never cease to say in this space, in this geography, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is 
to come, creatures full of eyes who can truly see a lion-like creature with eyes all over, says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, a creature with a face of an ox and eyes all over, in front and back and within, says, holy, 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 who was and is, Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, a creature with eyes in front and back and within with the face of a man, never ceases to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. A creature look like an eagle with eyes in front and back and within never ceases to say. I'm not talking every now and again takes a little break. This guy never ceases to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So far in this space as we're peering in and we're considering the valuation of the name, it is beautiful. It's stirring. We see creatures we can't even make sense of who can truly see what's up, who can truly see the value of something, who never cease to say, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let's see what else we can see in this space. Continuing in verse 9. Whenever these living creatures that have eyes all over and back and within and behind, all these creatures with the face of a man, the ox, the lion, the eagle, whenever these creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. We can add to these creatures in this space as we peer in. We've got these four creatures that we've considered first. Now we can consider 24 elders. We don't know who these guys are. Maybe they're representatives from the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles added in there. We don't know who they are. We don't know if they're heavenly creatures, sort of angelic type beings. All we know is there's 24 of them. They've got got crowns on their heads and thrones surrounding this central throne. And it looks like there's this ongoing thing that takes place all the time. As these four creatures are seeing what's truly true. And valuing what's truly valuable are never ceasing to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to, is to come. You've got these 24 guys, these elders, that are taking their crowns and throwing them and falling prostrate. Prostrate. I'm dating myself. I'm in that age where you had to use that word every now and again. They are falling prostrate on their faces, casting their crowns. Man, you can almost see that thing happening, too. You can see it unfolding every time those four creatures, they're saying it over and over again. They're never ceasing to say. And then those elders are casting their crowns and falling on their faces. They gather their crowns up again. They put them back on their head. They sit back on their throne, and they cast their crowns, and they fall on their faces. They never cease to cast their crowns. They never cease to fall on their faces, declaring the worthiness of this Lord and God. As we peer into this space, man, we see the value of his name, and we see a kingdom that is thorough. We see a kingdom where there's not even a corner, not even a closet, not even an alley Not even a space that's not ruled by this God. We see in this space these 24 elders casting their crowns. You can expect in this space, too, that Michael goes here and does what God tells him to do. Gabriel goes there and tells him what he's supposed to do. Gabriel, go to Mary. Gabriel, go to Zechariah. You see a rule that's so profound, you see a host of angels reporting to a field outside of Bethlehem to hark and to herald because his reign and his rule and his kingdom is thorough and absolute in this space. His name is valued as holy, thrice holy, and his reign and his rule is unrestricted and total. And it's in this space 
where his will is not only done absolutely and completely, it is celebrated. It is fulfilled absolutely and completely. There is nothing and no one operating outside of his will. It is fulfilled always and fully and perfectly in this space. There's no resistance. No dark corners. Nothing off limits to his reign and his rule in 77777. Let's consider our space now. 75402. A few passages to share with you just to give us a look into this space. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. I'll share this brief comment from the same guy who peered into heaven, ironically. The same witness to what's going on in this heavenly space says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We've got this thing going on up here in, in, in heaven, this absolute control, this absolute reign, and then this same witness who peered into that space says what's going on in our space. He says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Some very different stuff going on in our space. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, there's a clue that Peter gives us. is that He says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's what's going on in our space. Just a few weeks ago, we considered Matthew chapter 13, the sower, the seed, and the soils, where the seed hits the ground, and what's that creature that comes to grab that seed, that raven that snatches that seed before it can find purchase? That's the devil doing his work, doing his bidding. He is busy. He is prowling around like a roaring lion. He is snatching the seed from the soil. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 calls him and identifies him as the prince of the power of the air at work in the sons of disobedience. That's what's going on in our geography. That's what's going on in 75402. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 tells us that he is blinding the minds of unbelievers so that they can't even see the truth. Actively snatching, actively blinding, actively lying, actively accusing, actively subverting. That's what's going on in our geography. That's what's going on in our space. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 has a terrifying view into the human problem. It gives us a heartbreaking view into our space. It says that in our place, the place where we live, that we have traded the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. It's tragic what's going on in our space. It says that they did not see fit to acknowledge God, so God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. That's what's going on in our space. In our geography, they're filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. We're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. We're gossips in our contacts. That's what's going on here. Slanderers, haters of God. What a difference. What a stark difference in, ge in geography. What a different climate. Haters of God. Insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Man, is there anybody not touched by this? Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Is anybody looking at the news? And that's what's going on in our geography. There's heaven. And then there's 75402 and 75401 and 75474 and 75189 and 75428. And they're all the same. Man, they're all the same. Two very different experiences. Two very different climates. Two very different environments. And we have a significant problem that we have to deal with this morning as we peer into this heavenly space, into this throne room with John. And we look at what, how the name is valued there and how the will of God is done there and how the kingdom is absolute there. And then we look here 
in this mess that we live in, in this cursed world. We have a significant problem. We realize that we're looking into this realm, and we've joined this realm at the moment of conversion, yet here we sit still living in this. It's a significant problem. It gives birth to stuff like mourning. (laughs) Remember those who are blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. It gives birth to poverty of spirit. But Jesus says, blessed are those who experience that poverty. It gives birth to a, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It gives birth to a, a, a dissonance that you can feel. Can anybody feel it? Man, Jesus says, blessed are you if you feel it. Blessed are you if you see it. Blessed if you, of you. Blessed are you as you peer in and you live in this mess. And he doesn't leave you just in that space of feeling this poverty and this mourning and this hunger and thirst for righteousness. He actually gives us something to do. He teaches us to pray. <laughs> Is that all you got, Jesus? Yep. That's what he does. He teaches us to pray. Man, what did y'all get out of church this morning? He's just teaching us to pray in this mess. Is that it? Yes. To pray. This morning, or actually this week, I've been working on a visual. I'd like to give you this visual before we consider this one command, really, from this passage. This one directive that we can draw from this passage to pray then like this. I want to see if I can develop this visual for you. Uh, Go ahead and put up that first, Casey. I want to take just a moment to kind of acquaint you with this thing, and then I'm going to leave it up while I develop a few things. I like to visualize things. I like to visualize what I'm doing. Okay, visuals help me. They give me a, an anchor. They give me a parking place for a thought. They help me understand reasons of why I'm doing th- these things. So this might help you. If it doesn't, it might just be for me, <laughs> and, that's, and you'll just have to bear with me. But I bet somebody will be blessed by this, hopefully. Okay, so first we have that first advent of Jesus Uh, when the kingdom broke in, okay? Galatians 4, 4 says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. I've used that illustration before, like avocados that are sitting around in the kitchen and they're hard as a rock. And you go check them every day, they're still hard as a rock. And not time to eat yet, hard as a rock. And then one day they're they're soft, you're like, ah, fiesta, everybody, call all your friends, we're gonna make some guacamole. It's time, in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, earth and humankind were ready and ripe for the advent of the kingdom to break in. The advent of Christ, the kingdom broke in at the birth, life, and death, and resurrection of Christ. Okay, so the first advent of Christ, that line points up to the, go ahead and the next one, second advent of Christ, the kingdom fully come. Okay, so you can imagine across the bottom here would be like a, a time continuum. You know, like we're 2020, like right here somewhere. We don't know how far this arrow is, away from happening, but we're somewhere across the bottom here. This was about 2,000 years ago, and we're somewhere around in here, okay? So we got this thing over here in the bottom left-hand corner. This helps me visualize it. The first advent of Christ, the second advent of Christ, the kingdom fully come. Kingdom breaks in, kingdom fully come. Okay, go ahead and hit that next slide. Meanwhile, the ruler of this world blinds and lies and prowls and snatches. Just some of those passages I shared with you just now. He's actively doing all that he can to subvert the word. And he's been doing it since Eden. He's been hard at it. He's busy. He's got an army at his disposal, too. And he's got human's number, humankind's number. He knows how to fool you. And he's on the offensive. He's prowling around looking for someone to devour. Okay, so he's, that's all going on in this whole continuum up until this point in time. Okay, hit that next slide. Meanwhile, while the ruler of this world is doing all that he can over here, all things are progressively being placed in subjection under the feet of Christ. Okay, let me show you this passage. Hebrews chapter 2. You can listen to it or you can look. If, if you're kind of looking at the, the, the visual up here, you can keep, keep, just keep looking. Let me read this passage to you. It is delightful. There are a few other passages that refer to things being placed in subjection under Christ's feet. This is one of the three or so that I can think of. 
I'll give you a little context. I'll start in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. It says, For it was not angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking, it's been t- as it's been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him. He's not speaking about man anymore. He's speaking about Christ here. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, though, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Let me give you a little visual of what this everything being placed in subjection under his feet looks like. When a king would vanquish the enemy, they would invite them into the, not they would they would drag them into their palace, drag them into their city, and they, he would sit on his throne and bring the vanquished enemy before him, his ruler or his general, and he would kneel and he would place his feet on top of his head or his neck. Like saying, I owned him. He's mine. His property is mine. His space is mine. His land is mine. Even his people are mine. That's an awesome image, isn't it? It might sound a little primitive. But when you think about it, Christ is doing that with things, these dark spaces and these principalities that are at work in this world, one event, one space, one moment at a time, that's actually kind of exciting. So you realize over here, while this ruler is doing all that he can to blind minds, to lie, to prowl, to snatch. Meanwhile, all things are progressively being placed in subjection under the feet of Christ until eventually every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the kingdom has come absolutely and fully and completely. Every day that goes by, every moment that goes by, every sermon that is preached, every passage that's read, every prayer that's prayed, we're prayed this, we're moving closer and closer to that moment. And that's exciting. That helps, that visual helps me. We're in something. We're part of something here. We're doing something in this space and time. Let me go ahead and show that next image, if you would. Let me acquaint you with Gethsemane, the importance of Gethsemane. You know, in Eden, however many thousands of years ago, however old you date, date the earth, in Eden, there was a declaration made. Adam made the statement, basically, effectively, not your will but mine. Not your will but mine. In the Garden of Gethsemane 2,000 years ago, the God-man, the better Adam, the better Israel, our Savior and Lord said, not my will, but yours. And the kingdom is breaking in. The kingdom is breaking in. That's the advent in his work, in his declaration, in that moment, in that hour. All of those things work together for the kingdom to break in. And everything's been different ever since. Satan is still blinding. Satan is still working. Satan is still doing all that he can possibly do. But let me share with you the importance of this hour. The reason I point to Gethsemane, it's a nice contrast between two gardens. But the reason I point to the hour of the cross is because Christ pointed to the hour of the cross and the importance of what was taking place in that moment. In John chapter 12, there's a lot of John left after chapter 12, but it's all in hours and days. It's hours in John chapter 12 before he's nailed to the cross. Okay, it's chapters. But what takes place in that is washing feet, the Lord's Supper, all kind of stuff is taking place in there. In John chapter 12, though, he says, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've come to this hour. He's hours away from the cross. And here's what he says. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Now the kingdom of heaven is breaking in. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Are there any other slides after that? Is that it? Okay. We'll leave that up here for the time being. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
everything changed at Gethsemane and, and what took place before then in this life, in this first advent of Christ. Everything changed. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. This visual helps me, and it helps me realize what's going on in this space, what's our role in this. It helps me to realize this. Since the first advent of Christ and the fullness of time, when he came, when he came and he lived perfectly, And he died so well, and he rose again. The kingdom of God broke in and has been gaining traction ever since. Like leaven, like a mustard seed growing. With every sermon, every gospel telling, every conversion, every disciple made, every church planted for 2,000 years. Since the first advent of Christ, when he came and lived perfectly and died well and rose again, The kingdom of God broke in, has been gaining traction with every Jew and Gentile made friends and brothers. With every husband and wife going the distance in difficult marriages. With every single mom or single dad raising kids in the faith on their own. With every strained relationship made whole. With every sickness healed. Like leaven and a mustard seed growing, he is placing all things in subjection under his feet. And our place in prayer in all this, when we pray his name be hallowed here like we know it is there, when we pray his kingdom come here and his will be done here like we know it is there, we are praying for traction. We are praying for the kingdom to come down. We are praying heaven down. We are begging him to break into dark spaces and circumstances. We're asking him to work here what is fulfilled so absolutely and fully there. We are praying for things yet not yet under his feet to be placed under his feet. That's what we're doing. We're praying that 75402 would look like and that the climate would be like 77777. That's what we're doing. That's how important and potent prayer is. The importance of this one phrase on earth as it is in heaven is this. We're saying when we pray this way, as these things are in heaven, let them be so on earth. Sans cherubim and seraphim. They sound kind of cool, but we don't need them because we've got us. Sans Michael, sans Gabriel, sans the heavenly host. We don't need them. We're asking that 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 take place right here, right now, that his name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come fully, that his will would be done absolutely, that his people now would join the heavenlies in what they've been doing forever. And that this space would be transformed. That's what we're doing when we pray this way. That this space would be transformed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the heart of the Christian hope. This is the burden of a follower of Christ. This is to be our orientation. In the world, this is to filter our time and decipher what should be important to us. This, brothers and sisters in Christ, is worship. I'm reminded over and over again, and I will do this every chance I get. Passages like this, investments in the first three petitions of this prayer, remind us of this. This is not about you. There's some space in the prayer for your daily bread. He cares about you and your needs. But this prayer is front-loaded. It's front-loaded about what is most important, what creatures with eyes in front and behind and within can see clearly. Is it the holiness of his name, the fullness and absolute realization of his kingdom, the fulfillment of his will? That's what this thing is about. 
That's what this thing is about. It's about his name and his kingdom and his will. And I ask you, do you join the cloud of witnesses who've been doing it for thousands of years? Can we join Simeon, who was anxiously awaiting the consolation of Israel? Can we join Joseph of Arimathea, who it says was looking for the kingdom? And he goes and asks Pilate for the body of Christ. Can we join people like Paul, who made tremendous sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom? Man, what, what didn't he sacrifice? Could we have dynamic duos like Priscilla and Aquila? I'm looking at Eric and Abby. Jake and Annie. Y'all are this is a big part of this morning. Priscilla and Aquila. It sounds like a female name. It's not. Aquila is a manly name. So. Priscilla and Aquila left, left a swath of faith in their path wherever they went. A living swath. Man, what a heritage to leave our children and our children's children. What a heritage to leave our church 20 years, 40 years, 50 years from now. A swath of living faith. Man, do we join our brothers and sisters with this burden? Followers of Christ are defined as those who are awaiting the time when God will make heavenly realities earthly. We've tasted it. In fact, we've already become citizens of that kingdom. We've already been transferred, according to Colossians, from this present age to the age to come. We've tasted it. So we pray that way. The pain and the thorns and the thistles and the sweat, the feeling of one step forward, two steps back, those aren't going to go away. Not this side of his return. The relational issues, those aren't going to go away because Adam and Eve is still here. They're still here. We're still here. We get fooled. We get lied to. We get off track. We're going to experience all those problems of the fall. Yet in all this, we can and must pray for the ultimate hallowing of his name here in those dark spaces. We can and must pray for his kingdom to come fully in those places where it doesn't seem to be playing out. We can and must pray for his will to be done here as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, this is a clear, simple teaching from our Lord. For these three things to be our burdens. And Lord, first I confess on behalf of myself, my family, and this people that we're so often consumed with other stuff. Lord, quicken us to a burden that we could share with the cherubim and seraphim to never cease to declare holy, holy, holy are you the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Lord, stir in us to be part of a kingdom work, to leave a swath for your name and fame and renown and glory. And Lord, give us a burden for your will to be done here absolutely in our lives, starting right there, in our lives. Lord, we beg these things of you. We pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. I'll share a passage with you from Isaiah as we prepare for supper. If you want to get your little kit ready, for those that are home, I'll give you a moment to to gather your supper elements. Isaiah is one of those uh, of the host of witnesses that we'll join someday who had a burden to see this fulfillment of the kingdom. This passage I'll read to you, actually the title of the, 
the, the chapter in my Bible, these titles are added, but it's a nice little summary. The Lord's Coming Salvation is the title there above chapter 52 in the book of Isaiah. The passage says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation and says to Zion, Your God reigns. As you hear that passage read in your mind right now, visualize our Lord standing on the mount preaching. He's bringing good news. How beautiful his feet. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice together. They sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He's redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. That passage, man, that really stuck out to me because we're in there. You know who we are in this passage? The voice of your watchman. The voice of your watchman. They lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. We're watching. And we're praying. And we're eating. We're eating this supper as nourishment that sustains us while we're about to work. That's why we take this meal every single day. Week. This is our nourishment. We feast on Christ while we pine for and pray for his growing reign and rule in the hearts of men. Let's do this together in faith. Take and eat. In faith, let's take nourishment as watchmen, eagerly waiting for his return. Let's take a drink in faith. Let me pray, and then we'll have Jessica and team come up and lead us in worship. Lord, we're watching. We're taking nourishment in Christ and on Christ. Lord, we are confessing he is our only nourishment. He's where we find the endurance. He's where we find the the meaning, the hope. He is our everything, Lord. Thank you for your provision of good nourishment for us as we anxiously await Christ's return. Lord, we beg you together, keep placing things in subjection under Christ's feet. Place all the terrible things, all the confusing things, all the sad, difficult things, all the tears, all the struggling, all the strife, all the wars, all the divides. Place them in subjection under Christ's feet. We take nourishment on him as we wait and we watch. We pray these things in Christ's precious holy name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.